0: Marriage Reset is this, a union between a man and a woman who have made a commitment to each other, who agree to set their marriage differently than when they first started. Than when they first started. And for those of you that also, uh, they, I always forget about it, but thank you, Lord. Um, right behind you is the family room. They got it redone. I think this is uh, second Sunday that they got it. If you want to uh, you know, sometimes you have to be a little challenged with the children so you can watch us right in there and you can also hear us. We'll be right here next door to you uh, for those of you that want to know that. Okay? The ushers will direct you where you need to go. So our foundational scriptures, Ephesians 5 and 33, it says, So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Now really, that's the heart of that whole chapter 5. Of Ephesians, our scripture that's at hand today is James 1 and 19. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. So, James 1 and 19 gives us the perfect guideline for good communication in marriage. Amen. And so, today, I want to talk about communication, resetting your communication. In your marriage so the first thing I want you to hear is that communication is always a challenge in every relationship but in marriage it is the thing that uh, either makes it or breaks it are you still with me so there are so many things that we can get in the way of good communication right and we can use a word differently than the way that the other person understands that word. See, what, what we don't understand is that our our sentence uh, structure or word order may lead to misunderstanding. Like the blacksmith who was training his apprentice, he said, uh, don't ask me a lot of questions, just do whatever I tell you to do. So the blacksmith took a piece of steel out of the fire and laid it on the anvil and said get the hammer over there and when I nod my head hit it real good and hard (laughs) so our assumptions may never be the communication in the words we use but we assume we have communicated all that we are thinking just like the sergeant who shouted what's your name private William Jennings, the soldier replied. When you talk to me, you say, sir, roared the sergeant. Now let's try it again. What's your name, Private? Sir William Jennings. (laughs) Y'all didn't get, some of y'all didn't get that. (laughs) Communication is something that a lot of us needs to work on. The person we are talking with may hear the words we use, but think they hear us saying something completely different. Like the lawyer who was talking with a woman wanting a divorce from her husband. He said, do you have grounds? She said, yes, we have one and a half acres. (laughs) He said, do you have a grudge? She said, uh, no, we have a carport. He said, Does he beat you up? She said, No, I wake up first in the morning. And the lawyer answered, He said, Then why do you want a divorce? And the woman replied, because my husband cannot carry on an intelligent conversation. And add all that to this, the message or the messages of body language and the tone of the voice and all kinds of other things that also are part of communication. And you have a situation right for miscommunication. If communication is really that difficult, should we give give up and, and accept poor communication? No, of course not. Good communication skills can be learned and communicated, or and communication can be improved. Do you agree? It can be learned and it can be approved, improved upon. God is the one who is not only, he not only created people, but he created the potential for good communication. He invented language and gave us tongues to speak and hear, uh, ears to hear. He did all of that. And if we follow God's instruction and employ his power, then we can experience successful communication with others, especially our mates. So let's spend the rest of our time this morning exploring how to develop good communication in marriage. And I want to use James 1 and 19 as our primary verse and the outline for our uh, lesson. James says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, does this passage apply to you? Yes. Are we among To everyone? Yes. So here it is. The first guideline for good communication is this. If you write it, write this down. Become a good listener. Say that with me. Become a good listener. Now, James 1 and 19 starts with listening. He says, everyone should be quick to what? Listen. We are amongst the everyone. And he said, everyone should be quick to what? Everyone should be quick to listen. The rabbi of old uh, used the saying, we have two ears given to us and one tongue. Our ears are open and exposed. One tongue is walled behind our teeth. Therefore, we ought to listen twice as much as we speak. Now, if we're honest, most of us are not very good listeners. We would rather be the one talking than the one listening. Got quiet right there. And when we are not talking, we should be carefully listening. All uh, all we are doing is thinking about what we are going to say when other people finally finish when they talk. Can't wait till they stop so I can start talking. A great deal of misunderstanding results when we do not listen carefully to each other. That's what happens. Proverbs 18 and 13 says this. Listen to this. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. You need to highlight that one. Pencil whipped up. He who answers before listening... That is his folly and his shame. So why does we why 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 is it that we don't we 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 don't we uh, why we don't uh, listen as we should? And there could be many reasons why. But why, why? It could be our ego. We might be defensive and don't want to hear what the other person is saying. Or we may make assumptions that we, really, we already know what they're going to say. I know what you're going to say. No, you don't. So we think we have, you know, heard it all before and we jump ahead and then just finish the sentence before the person can stop. And you got to say, no, just look straight ahead. They won't know I'm talking to you. So how can we be better listeners? That's the question. How can we be better listeners? First of all, we need to have concentration. Say that with me, concentration. Concentration. That's what we got to have. We're going to be better listeners. And of course, you know, that's the number one thing. When we are counseling uh, married people, normally the wife says he just doesn't listen. I heard one man they say amen. That's normally when we're counseling, <laughs> the woman normally say, he just doesn't listen. Yeah. Say so he already know everything. That's why he feels he does not need to listen It because he thinks he already know everything. And most men, for the most part, I'm one of them. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) See, what we got to do, we got to put aside all distractions. Come on, help me, me and y'all help me preaching anyway. Say, we got to put aside all distractions. All right, y'all going to help me? We got to turn off the TV. Got to close the laptop. And we got to put aside the cell phone. We got to do all that so that we can listen. See, Bishop, I'm not. I'm like liking this message right now. I'm just not feeling you today. I'm not feeling you today. You, you listen. You, I'll wait till next week when you start talking about the family series. <laughs> All right. Here's what we got to do. We got to listen with our ears and our eyes. Come on, say it with me. I must listen with my ears and I must listen with my eyes. Look at the person who's speaking, look into their eyes, look for anger, look for joy, look for frustration, confusion, excitement, or tears. Look for all of those things. Watch their body language. Watch their facial expressions. Y'all let me know when I'm teaching good. Because most of the time when they're talking, we're over here doing something. Yeah, mm-hmm, I hear you. Yeah, I'm here. I hear you. And they say, what you say? Uh, run that back again. Yeah, man, Come on, Come on, so you got to listen with your ears, Elder, and you got to listen with your eyes. Come on, what are you saying? They need your undivided attention you. Right, if you are going to listen. Now, you should say what you want. I've already blessed you right there if you don't hear nothing else. So this is what you got to do. You got to lean forward. You got to nod your head. And you got to let your face say, tell me more. Got it? Got it? Okay, let's practice it. Lean forward. Nod your head. And let your face say, tell me more. See, you got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. Did y'all get that? Some of y'all gonna come back and say, Pastor, he ain't getting nothing you said. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to learn to listen with concentration. Got it? Everybody say concentration. That's the first C. You got it? The second is we need to have consideration. Everybody say consideration. Yes. So a part of good listening is not only hearing, but considering what the person is saying. Ooh, that, I, like that. Yes. I like that. Access their words. What are they really trying to say? Unfortunately, sometimes we say one thing, but we really mean something else. Yes. Yes, one wife says to her husband, don't listen to what I say. Listen to what I meant. And that's why we have to pray for understanding as we consider what a person is trying to say. Because watch this. Sometimes words get twisted. Sometimes words get twisted. Can you agree with that? Phrases don't come out right. So don't jump to a conclusion if it didn't come out right. Sometimes my wife would say something. I'd say, you meant this. she said say, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes i say something. She'd say, okay, you meant this. i said say, yeah, that's it. Say it's over with. It was corrected and nobody was hurt. Right? Chip Ingram says, communication is the meeting of meanings. So we have to consider not only the words, but the meaning. You said. Now, you know they, what they said. They was thinking about something else and they kind of like put two things together. And they, oh, no, that's not exactly what I was So in all that getting, what does the Bible say? Get a what? Understand. The third thing we need, the third C, is clarification. Everybody say clarification. clarification. In any conversation, there is what we say and what we thought we said. And that is what we hear and what we thought we heard. And you may have seen this on a sign before. It says, I know you believe you understand what you think I said. But I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. So there can be very big gaps in communication. And that's why we have to have uh, clarification. We have to clarify. Now it helps to pause in a conversation and ask the person, now tell me what you think I said. Just pause and ask Because, see, oftentimes when a person thinks you said, uh, think you said is very different from what you meant to say. Right? So whether the problem is with your mouth or their ears is academic. The, The important thing is that clarification is needed. Now get this. One of the best skills of listening is feedback. Ask the person you you are listening to if you can check and see if you understand what they are saying. Put it in your own words, what you think they meant, and then let them correct you. If you are right on, then you can continue the conversation. If not, then they can clarify. You don't have to end up in an argument. They can clarify it right on the spot. We won't be able to respond appropriately to what our mate is saying unless we really understand what they are saying. Now, clarification is the key. Clarifying is the key. Make sure you clear it up. Make sure it's clear. Your your communication is clear so there there won't be any misunderstandings. Got it? So listen is, is, is uh, to this conversation between a, a husband and a wife and, and notice how they are not listening to each other. I'm going to give you an example. And how their assumptions are replacing real listening. All right? Here we go. We'll just call them for exercise, Bob and Mary, okay? I hope anybody here named Bob and Mary. We're not talking to you. So look what, listen to what Bob said. Bob says, Bob says, thinking he'd like to go out to dinner tonight. He says, what should we do for dinner tonight? And here's Mary, hearing when will dinner be ready, she says. Why, it's already my job. Why is, all, why is it always my job to make dinner? That's what she hear. And Bob thinking, why is she being so ugly? He says, is it not always your job to make dinner? I made dinner once last week. Here's Mary. Bringing home hamburgers and french fries is not making dinner. Now here's Bob. Just forget it. I didn't want to go go out with you anyway. Here's Mary. You never say anything about wanting to go out. And Bob, yes I did. I asked you where you wanted to go out to dinner and you got all snobby. Here's Mary. I got I got all snobby. You never said anything about going out. Did too. Mary did not, Bob, did too. <laughs> Mary said, you're never wrong, are you? And they go off into uh, <laughs> off in an evening of anger and, and, and distance because they had mixed communication. Consider how just a couple of changes at the beginning of the conversation could have made a difference. Bob could have started the conversation saying, I was wondering about us going out to dinner tonight, together tonight, what do you think? But even if he had started the same way as before, what should we do for dinner tonight? Mary could have replied, I don't know. Do you have any ideas? See, are you raising your hand? Oh, no, I'm just just kidding. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just, hallelujah. I don't like to miss an opportunity to do stuff like that. Hallelujah. You know, this is fun Sunday. hallelujah she gonna get me out the church. (laughs) good communication starts with good listening which is included in concentration consideration and clarification say that with me concentration consideration and clarification now number two the second guideline for good communication is becoming a guarded speaker say that with me i must become a guarded speaker Now, in addition to uh, uh, being quick to listen, look what James 1, 19 tells us. He says, to be slow to speak. Slow to speak. Husband and wives should not just blurt out anything that comes to their minds. That's how you get in trouble. The first thing that comes to your mind, you just blurt it out. I don't want to talk right now. Wait a minute, I was just telling you, I was going to take you out and go shopping and buy you anything you wanted. But now since you done told me you don't want to talk right now, you're not getting none of that. You better wait until they finish saying what they want to say. They might have just got a forgiving heart all of a sudden. Hallelujah. I don't want to talk right now. Oh, okay, I was just going to give you $1,000 so you can just go on out and do what you want to do. But I guess I just keep this in my pocket. Some of y'all thinking about when I said that. Though. Did I say that before? Being slow to speak causes us to weigh our words and consider what shouldn't be said. What should be said and how and when it should be said. So we gotta weigh our words. The Bible is full, filled with God's command to Proper use our tongue. Over and over, God commands us to put an end to imp- uh, inappropriate speech. Look at Ephesians 4 and 29. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Look at James 1 and 26 says, if anyone consider himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Look at James 3, 9 and 10 says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and father and with with it. We curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the the same mouth come praises and cursing. My brother, this should not be. So today I want to challenge us. If we have not already done so, to make a commitment to control our tongues. I encourage us all to make a commitment to eliminate any appropriate speech. What is inappropriate speech? I'm glad you asked. Obviously, it includes speech that is false. That is false. And that's what's wrong with our world today. People love to talk and they love to talk false stuff. Paul wrote, therefore each of us must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. Hallelujah. And that's what's wrong with our political arena. We got too many people in office that speaking falsely. We need more people that will speak truthfully. That shouldn't be a prerequisite to get in office to be a big, fat, juicy liar. You should have integrity. And even if it's hurt, tell the truth. Sometimes you got to give tough love. And sometimes you got to tell the truth in your home. Did you do that? Yes. It'd be like the kids. Did you do that? Yes. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I don't need to tell you that words hurt because you know that they do. Yeah. When you close to somebody, the words they speak, they may say they don't hurt, but they hurt. That don't hurt me. Yeah, it does. Proverbs 12 and 18, look at this, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. When last time you healed somebody with your mouth? When last time you healed your marriage with your mouth? You healed your friend with your mouth. You gave words of healing. So quiet in here. I thought about saying it, but I ain't going to say it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the goal of is our speech must be to build people up, right? Yes. Build them up rather than tear them down, leaving them cut to pieces. So therefore, all kinds of name calling and labeling must be eliminated from our speech. Like, huh? You know. If the person to just see emotion about it and they're crying, and then, you know, you come in, what you crying for? Your old baby? No, you can't do that. You're just like your father. You're stupid. Uh, you're impossible to live with. No, you can't use those words. Okay? See, just go ahead and repent if you use those words this week. We need to eliminate the word always and never. Mm -hmm. You always. You never. Right? You never take the garbage out. Now that's not true. I might not take it out when you want me to take it out. But I still take it out. Right? Right? You always forget to open the car door. Not always. I opened it last year. Woo! I'm getting hot now. That's closer to always, not always. Huh? And we need to eliminate comparisons like, why can't you be more like so-and-so? They're not going to be like, they're not so-and-so. And so on, or so-and-so would never do that or say that. Why do you do that? Why do you compare? Amen. See, what, what you all do as a congregation, you get preachers in trouble. Y'all know that, Right? Don't y'all know y'all get preachers in trouble? You get the pastor in trouble. Right? Right? Why don't you be like Bishop Wills with First Lady? Right? First Lady would never say nothing like that to her. <laughs> I'm let, let me peruse the room all the way around now. Come on, now, I know y'all ain't that quiet because y'all been using our names in vain, have you? <laughs> that laugh means yes. <laughs> Woo! Another thing we should eliminate <laughs> are, are the, the, the mixed messages that we send. You know, sometimes uh, uh, we say one thing, but we, then we act another. For instance, uh, if, we ask, if you ask your spouse, say, are you mad at me? And they say, I'm not mad. But you know something is wrong. So you say, are you sure nothing is wrong? And they say, nothing wrong. And so one last time, you say, I can tell something wrong. now." Nah, you know, to which they reply, you, uh, they say, now, nah, if you don't know what it is, then I'm not going to tell you. Now, they'll ask you twice if something's wrong. <laughs> that third time, say, if you don't know what it is, I ain't going to tell you. So these mixed messages, and watch this, and that silent treatment, on, Look out. Look out. they will not help in the communication process. So you got to stop giving those mixed, uh, <laughs> mixed messages, and that silent, silent treatment can be deadly. Amen. Baby, I love you. What are we having for dinner tonight? You need me to wash your car? You know, sometimes I get, I get kind of, you know, you know me. Since they ain't going to say nothing anyway, you want a million dollars? Oh, no, I thought you were silent. I thought you were giving me the silent treatment. (laughs) Say, wait now, we can break this silence for a million (laughs) dollars. We also need to eliminate ultimatums. Like, if you do that one more time, you're going to be sorry. We need, you, can't, you can't do that. And you can't do like, try that once more and you're going to see what happens. We can't use those ultimatum things like that, right? See, now you, you got to do better. You got to, Say this with me, I'm going to do better. No, like, nobody likes to be threatened or manipulated, right? That won't help the relationship when you start threatening and manipulating and all that stuff you know see that kind of stuff will lead to divorce and some of you all you know you're seeing now aftermath after listening to this message oh i did that i did that i did that oh he did that he did that that's why we're not together why didn't we come to church and listen a little bit more you might be thinking well bishop you know what you're talking about is impossible There's no way that I can, you know, eliminate inappropriate speech. I grew up in a home of yellers, and they yelled at the top of their voice. We call each other all kinds of names. When I get angry, things just come out, and I can't control it. Well, you need the Holy Spirit to deliver you. Okay? You need God to deliver you. That's right. See, I appreciate the difficulty of what I'm talking about today. We we are all in this thing together, see, because... I, I have to practice these kinds of things myself. We're all in this together, right? Don't think that your case is one isolated case. Come on, say this with me. We're all in this together. We're all in this together. Okay? But God says it is not impossible, only impossible, but for us to control our speech, he, it is mandatory. The, the Bible tells us that it is mandatory. We're not, we're not, we're, we're not talking uh, about options here. We, we are talking about the command of God. It is his command that says we must eliminate inappropriate speech. So how can we begin to get a handle on our tongue? Just bite your tongue. And the best advice that I could give you is to just hold your tongue. My mama used to say, if you can't say nothing good, don't say nothing at all. Amen? Look what Proverbs 10 and 19 says. It says, when words are many, listen to this, sin is not absent, but we, he who holds his tongue is wise. Isn't that something? In other words, you that talk too much, you're bound to sin. You didn't like that one, right? Proverbs 13 and 3 says, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. Sometimes you just need to just listen. When bad thoughts and names and hurtful things come to our mind, we need to learn to just keep our mouths shut. It will make a world of uh, difference. Over half of the battle is won if we eliminate the inappropriate. But that's not enough to have healthy, positive relationship. We must communicate. Imagine a relationship with someone where you never said anything inappropriate, but you always never said anything appropriate. In other words, you never said anything at all. It wouldn't be much of a relationship, would it? So we must develop the ability to speak appropriately. To others, appropriate speech is truthful speech. It is a it is speaking the truth in love, according to Ephesians five, and four and fifteen. It says, "Speak the truth in love." Appropriate speech is to build up. You got to build up when you're talking. It's positive communication designed to build other people up according to their needs. That's how you got to talk to one another. You talk to one another by building each other up. Amen. And this communication includes words like, I love you. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you do for me. You got to build people up. When you tell folks you appreciate them. You got to tell your loved ones every night that you catch them off guard. Say, you know what? I really don't say it enough, but I don't think I'd be where I am right now without you. And I want you to know that I appreciate everything you do, all those things that I never said anything about. They they did not go unnoticed. I really appreciate the God in you for what you do for this uh, team. We are a team for this uh, family. I I really love you for that. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Man, I tell you what. That will build that person up. It will build a greater bond in your relationship, you know. And I tell people around here all the time that I appreciate them. Amen. Tell them I love them too. Amen. I'd be glad when this here pandemic foolishness is all over because we love to hug over here. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Isn't that right? Amen. And so when something bad happens and we feel compelled to say something unwholesome and hurtful. I challenge you to think of something to build up. And if your wife burned the toast, don't call her, you know, old lousy cook who can't do anything right. Thank her for her efforts in making dinner. I just thank you for just even, you know, everything don't turn out all the ways like you really want it, but it's all right. I learned that a long time ago. I know y'all done heard this many times, but I'm going to tell you one more time. When we first got married, my wife cooked everything right except for the rice. She just burned the rice every time. But you know what? Every time, ask her, ask her, when y'all see her again, y'all ask her. Say, every time, when he burn it? Did he eat it? Yes. I just said, I tell girl, what you talking about? I was raised with burnt rice. Straighten that stuff off the top. Leave that burnt part in the bottom of that pot. We'll wash it out of it at the end. All that rice, good rice on the top. Get that rice. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's probably why she with me today. I just appreciate everything she did. Amen. I, could have, I could have been divorced over some burnt rice. But I'm going to tell you what I did. I got a vision. I got a revelation. We was in Japan. Went to bowl rice cooker. She ain't burnt no rice ever since. Right. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then if your husband forget to bring home the milk, don't call him a brainless imbecile. <laughs> What's wrong with you, Jasmine? <laughs> she just brushed that tongue. You don't call your husband a brainless imbecile? <laughs> huh? Say, well, you know, you forgot the milk, honey, but we, 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 can, you know, we can get by without it. I'm just glad you're home. Hey, Amen. Don't you know, get devil in you. But how am going to eat some cereal when I ain't got no milk? Oh, Lord. So I encourage you to make a, a commitment that for the next week, that you're going, you're going to eliminate all negative, inappropriate speech and only say positive, appropriate, build up things to your husband and your wife. You got it? Appropriate speech is also delivered with the right three T's. And I'm going to tell you those that didn't about done. The right time, the right turf, and the right tone. Say that with me: the right time, the right turf, and the right tone. Now, timing is essential for the stand-up comedian and the suspense novelist, but it is also essential in our relationships. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, "Bad timing equals to fireworks." <laughs> That's probably true in some people's house. And according to counselors, 90% of arguments take place just before meals. Perhaps people, you know, their they blood sugar's a little low and you don't want to bring up bad stuff when they're hungry. You know what I'm saying? And so mealtime is not a good time to talk about problems. Okay? Maybe after they done got their belly full, then maybe you want to talk. But not when they're hungry. It's probably not a good time to bring up, you know, a problem, you know. When you're in the car on the way to a social event, have, you know, have you had, have have you ever had an argument and y'all on y'all way to go to something? Y'all on y'all way to go to maybe a function or, you know, a black tie function. You all dressed up and looking good and looking all debonair and bow tie and everything. And, you know, got your, you know, you, you got your gown just flowing and he got his, you know, his tuxedo jacket on. And then you just want to bring up something that's going to cause an argument. Huh? Or you're on your way to church and you're in the car and y'all, y'all start at each other. You might not make it to church. Oh, since you feel like that, I'm going to turn this car around. Turn, I'm turning this car around. Yeah, and, and then she might get devil to her side. Take me home. Well, baby, we're in the parking lot. I don't care. But well, they see us on the camera. Ah, so Hi, Bishop. We're going home. It's probably not best to meet a tired spouse at the door at the end of a hard day of work with, we got a problem. And by the way, welcome home. (laughs) Baby, wait till I get in and kind of like wind down. Then we can talk about it. It's not best to say that we need to talk when somebody's about to leave and they're late, you know, and you want to talk. That's not a good time. Timing is important. Choose the right time to address problems. Then the right turf is also important. When we are with a group or at an activity that is never right time to try to address problems. It goes without saying that we should never correct our mate in public. You, y'all know my saying. Correct in huh, and praise in Y'all got it? Correct in and praise in. Got it? You got it? I got it. All right. People sometimes do this in public because they're afraid to do it in private. To do so will only harm our relationship and make communication more difficult. So the right time and the right turf are important, and so the right tone. Everybody say the right tone. is Which leads to my last point. The final guideline for good communication is to become a gentle responder. Now, James 1 and 19 says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then slow to become what? Angry. So the Bible doesn't tell us not to get angry, but it does tell us to be slow to anger. And once we are angry, we must keep from allowing to lead us to sin when it comes to me communication anger and rage can get in the way of communication through both the words that we use and the volume and tone of voice which we deliver them get this one volume and tone must communicate that we are under control and that we love the person with whom we are talking you can have the right tone and still get your point across. When you know how to communicate, you don't have to yell. Most folks who yell don't know how to communicate. Uh oh. So the Bible give us this guideline: Proverbs fifteen and one. Look, listen to what it says: A gentle answer turns away what, yeah. but a har- but harsh word stirs up yeah. anger. Proverbs 17:27. look what it says. A man of knowledge uses word with restraint and a man of understanding is even tempered. You got it? It doesn't matter how rightfully upset we may be. It is not appropriate for us to holler and scream at people, especially those we love most intimately. You don't have to scream and shout. You've been trained wrong. Someone said, you don't need to shout if you use the right words. So the general response doesn't avoid all confrontation. Rather, they seek to do so with appropriate communication. So problems must be addressed and acknowledged, but they must be be done so appropriately. Otherwise, the original problem is never addressed and new problems are created. One of the best communication skills we can learn and employ is the I message or the X, Y, Z message. Now, the I message allows us to bring us up, uh, bring up a specific behavior on the part of the other person that is bothering us. But it communicates it in a more acceptable form rather than being accusatory. The statement is framed as an expression of my need. And the formula for an I message is when you do X and then I feel Y. The formula for an X, Y, Z message is when you do X in the Y setting, I feel Z. So rather than saying to your partner, you're a slob when you throw your clothes on the floor and I feel angry and devalued, when you show up 30 minutes late for supper, I feel frustrated because dinner is burnt, or it makes me feel like you don't care about me. So, the I message assumes that the other person cares about you and your feelings. So, when you communicate how their behavior is harming you because they care about you, they show, uh, should want to explain or change their behavior for the good of the relationship. And I would encourage you to give. I message a try because they, they, they might feel a little awkward at the beginning, but they will become more natural. All right? Become more natural. So good, healthy marriages are built on good, healthy communication. Ship Angler says communication is the highway on which love travels. And so we need to keep communication highways free of the potholes, detours, and all that kind of stuff. Good communication is not easy, but it is possible. Proverbs 18 and 21 contains this promise. The tongue has the power of what? Life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What is he talking about? If you love life, you're going to eat the fruit of life. If you love death, you're going to eat the fruit of death. You got it? Now, I hope and pray that we will all learn to control our tongue so that our communication will be helpful rather than harmful. And remember, sometimes the best thing we can do with our tongue is hold it. Amen? That's the best thing we do. We can hold our tongue. Years ago, a tourist uh, was spending the night at a small southern town, and he joined a group of men sitting on the porch of the general store. And after several vain attempts to start a conversation, he asked, is there a law against uh, talking in this town or something? And the man said, no, no law against it, replied one old crusty old man. We just like to make sure it's an improvement to silence. So let's make, our, make sure that our words that we speak are an improvement to silence. Because when you don't say anything, we don't go anywhere. The only way you're going to move forward, you must communicate. You must say something if you are going to move forward. Amen? Amen. So, I want you to take every one of these negatives. I hope you were writing them down. And I want you to practice them when you get home. Don't start tomorrow. I want you to start today. Amen? And see if this Will not change your marital relationship. Come on, put your hands together and give God praise. Please.